Welcome to season four of The Culture of Kindness. My name is Nahala Summers and I am your host. A culture of kindness is based on the idea that by bringing kindness into leadership, we reduce stress, anxiety, make happier workplaces, and in turn, improve the bottom line for any organization or institution. It is a book, leadership program, accreditation, and of course, this wonderful podcast. Kindness has been my life's work since I founded the social movement for kindness back in 2012 called Sunshine People. And it has kept me interested on what people have to say on the complexities of kindness ever since. The guest lineup is exceptional. From politicians to social media influencers, best-selling authors to BBC presenters, an eclectic mix of people who all have completely different views on kindness, how we get it and where the world is currently at. If you enjoy this episode, then please do show your support for kindness by subscribing to the podcast, leave a five-star review or simply invest in the book, aptly named A Culture of Kindness, available on Amazon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy. Christine, thank you so much for coming on A Culture of Kindness podcast season four. I'm incredibly grateful to be chatting to you today for so many different reasons, but we're obviously going to talk about Tough Girls and uh, you featuring on that and why you featured on that. Uh, We are fellow Tough Girls together, Um, but also some uh, really interesting pieces of work that you're doing around leadership. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited to speak to you. I guess, first of all, though, maybe you could just share a little bit about yourself and the things that make you happy. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show, Nala. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I'm delighted to be here and to have a chat with you. Um, So for our listeners, I guess I'll give you a bit of background as you requested. Um, So I'm based in Singapore. I've been based in Singapore for the last 15 years. I originally came to run the marketing for Nike here. So always my life was connected to sports. Uh, Growing up, I grew up in the Philippines. So my mother's Filipina, my father's French and Swiss. But I, I grew up most of my early years in the Philippines. And uh, as I started uh, through life, you know, sports had always been a huge part of that. Uh, so played a lot of different sports. Basketball is huge in the Philippines. I played football uh, or uh, soccer, as the Americans call it. Um, and then I had the opportunity to travel and, and live and work in many parts around the world. Um, starting out with university in Japan and then went off to work in the United States where I joined Nike for the first time. Time, um, and also spend time in Europe. So that's a little bit of me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's amazing. What are, what are the things that really uh, make you happy? Uh, so there's quite a few things, uh, but as you can probably imagine, adventure, travel, uh, you know, being around nature makes me so happy. One of the, our last expeditions when we were in Mongolia a couple of years ago, and when we arrived in the beautiful clearing we were so blown away by the beauty of nature that we all started crying uh, after a long day of trekking. I mean, you know, nature really uh, gives me strength and, and makes me happy in so many ways. And of course, um, another big part of my happiness is my family. I have four children and a loving husband, I'm very lucky. Um, so I'm very grateful for, for my family around me. They're all here in Singapore at the moment. So oh, wonderful. part of my happiness. 
Let's talk a, a little bit about, you know, why you were featured on Tough Girls, but the expeditions that you are leading, right, and the things that you've been doing over over the recent years. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. So I interviewed uh, on uh, the Tough Girl podcast a few years ago, and, and uh, I believe the conversation was centered around my first NGO called Women on a Mission. So Women on a Mission uh, started about eight years ago. I started, I co-founded it with two other partners, wonderful ladies called Valerie Buffy and Karine Moj, who are dear, dear friends uh, and who are very adventurous uh, in spirit and, and, and in mind as well, just like me. And so... We've been doing that, you know, across many countries, uh, taking all female teams um, to, to different parts of the world, all the way from the Arctic Circle down to the Antarctic, Mongolia, Himalayas, and all these expeditions have been to raise awareness and funds for vulnerable women. Now, about three and a half years ago, I set up a second NGO called Her Planet Earth on a similar model to Women on a Mission, also taking all female teams on challenging expeditions, but the focus is much more uh, on the environment and it is to raise awareness and funds for um, underprivileged women who are affected by climate change. Because as you, if, if you look at the research around the world and you look at where climate change is affecting people, it affects a lot of poor people, and especially women who are working in agricultural roles in Asia in particular. So we direct our fundraising and our awareness building to support these women. Wow, that's fascinating. How did you discover these challenges? So. You know, you're obviously helping and supporting, but where did it come from? You know, why did you suddenly, um, you know, because I wouldn't necessarily know, and I'm sure there are many listeners that wouldn't know that people were affected by the environmental and particularly women. Um, and yeah, how did you find out about that? You know, the idea of uh, taking on cha physical challenges to raise funds is not new. No. We didn't, you know, we, we didn't... Uh, reinvent the wheel in, in, in some ways. Um, you know, actually the first time I heard about it was through my, one of my partners because she had been volunteering with a charity based in the UK called Women for Women International, who you may have heard about. It's been around for many, many years and supports women survivors of war. And they had organized a fundraising trip uh, with for some of their supporters to trek to Everest Base Camp. Uh, that was many years ago, maybe about uh, 13, 14 years ago. And it was le led by a British mountaineer who had summited Everest. So my partner, Valerie, had been on that trip and had been so inspired by the, you know, this beautiful trip and they had raised a lot of money. And so when I met her in Singapore and she had decided to climb all the way to the summit of Everest um, because she's, you know, she's very athletic and she decided that was what she wanted to do at that point in her life. Then she said, listen, let's let, why don't we, once she succeeded, she came back down to Singapore. She had moved to Singapore then. And she said, why don't we get a group of friends and do something similar and support Women for Women International out of Singapore? So the idea didn't really come from us. As you know, many people do marathons to raise funds for different mm -hmm. charities. We just created a, a bit of a story around it, created more branding. You know, we, um, I'm, my background is, uh, I've been, as I mentioned, working for Nike um, in marketing and uh, communication. So anything I do, I like to try to raise awareness. And I, I really did put my marketing hat on very early on. And we, we came out with a logo. We did some uh, social media. We got written up in the press. We had a uniform, we had a team uniform. And it kind of grew, you know, grew that way uh, and, and started uh, being part of our story. We were women on a mission. The, the first uh, press release I wrote was women on a mission to reach higher ground, which was a play on words for our first trek to Everest Base Camp. Um, you know, on obviously trying to reach a, a, a higher ideal to some extent. 
Um, and so it kind of grew that way, you know, and we, we started getting messages from women around the world saying, I, I heard about your trip. I heard you raised $100,000 for this charity. How can I join? When is the next trek? And before you knew it, we really had this demand, not just in Singapore, but in many parts of the world, for women to join our expeditions. And in, in, in they are life-changing expeditions. They're they are tough expeditions that are well-planned. We work with many different tour operators around the world, um, but they are designed to be challenging, but also transformational in yeah. many ways. Do you think on the impact to the women that attended, uh, that came with you on some of these ex- expeditions um, for women on a, on a mission and her planet, do, do you think there was an impact on the women that took part in that? I do believe so. I do believe so. I mean, I'm very much in touch with most of them still today. I have all the WhatsApp groups for all my different tracks, Siberia, Kenya, you know, Greenland. Uh, we keep in touch. We, you know, there's a real system sisterhood that bonds us when you take on a, a challenging trek like that. Uh, people greet each other for their birthdays or share, you know, an article that comes up about Kenya or Greenland. Um, you know, a, a lot of them have told me that they gained new confidence in themselves vis-a-vis, you know, their colleagues, their family, their children. Some of them have young kids, some of them have older kids, because we take women from 22 to 60, uh, you know, of all backgrounds. National, I've, I've had CEOs, I've had artists, I've had pilots, I've had stay-at-home moms. I've had many, many kinds of women, um, but always bonded with the same desire to have an impact and to really challenge themselves, to put themselves out of their comfort zone, not just to do like a charity gala, but to actually train hard to climb a mountain or, you know, and, 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 and really uh, explain to their own family and supporters, because we do ask them to fundraise as well for a chosen charity, why they're doing this and why they should believe in them and make a donation in their name for this cause. Um, so I do believe that it has been transformation for many of my teammates, um, you know, and, and it, I think it has given them courage to take on maybe new responsibilities at work or maybe feel more confident as, as a mom, as a woman, as a wife. I, I would hope so. Um, you know, and I, I feel I have seen that very much so. And we and many of them have come back as well on, on, on other expeditions, have asked to come back and invited their friends or their sisters to join. Uh, and some of them have even asked to bring their older daughters. Yeah, so it's really special. There's a, for me, you know, from my research within kindness, one of the core values is connection. And um, it feels that there's this kind of huge connection that you've got with regards to not only the money that you're raising for the organisations and for the women, but also bringing women together and continuing those relationships. It's not networking and it's not it's not doing one thing, but it seems to do a multitude of things in bringing people together. Would that be about right? I think so. And it's very action oriented. So for me, action is very important. You know, uh, it's easy to talk about, you know, things that we want to do. and But until we actually, uh, you know, actually do them and make an effort and set time uh, to do this and, and, and funds to, to invest in oneself or on a trip, you know, it's not really a reality. So for me, it's been, you know, a core tenet of um, the, the culture I've tried to build around this community because when we set out and plan for an expedition, we connect sometimes a year or nine months before. So it starts very much with recruiting the team. And, and, and before that, there's a lot of work that I do with my team to curate um, what it is exactly that the challenge is going to be about. I get quotes from different tour operators. I check the safety. We get on calls and make sure that all the itineraries thought out, which 
charity uh, we will be supporting, which specific program will we fund. I get the charities very much involved. I, I ask them to submit um, a plan on exactly what program uh, we will be raising X amount for. And, and, you know, we want a complete report, complete transparency. I want the teammates to meet them and talk to them. So then the recruitment starts, uh, the team recruitment starts. You know, obviously I've become uh, maybe, uh, you know, I've gotten more experience and also selecting the type, the type of teammates I want because it is by invitation in many ways, you know, and, um, and even though I do take on women that I've never met before, I do talk to them and interview them and try to understand their motivation to join because, it, you know, once they're in, it's, it's really, we get really close. We get to know each other so well. Um, and then there is a whole preparation uh, that goes into physical training. The equipment is very important. The fundraising, how do we approach the fundraising? We, we, as I said, we set up WhatsApp groups. We communicate on email. There's a whole plan around either sometimes planning an event locally, uh, a fundraising event before the expedition, usually one after as well. Who's going to take care of what? What are the filming equipment uh, that anybody wants to bring? There's many different skill sets. So I also had them take a personality test to better understand how they prefer to receive information, um, if there are changes in the itinerary or in the weather, uh, as there always are, um, which are the teammates that I need to keep in mind that need you know, to be maybe more prepared for those changes. You know, there's a lot of personality type that, that bubbles to the surface when people are tired and uncomfortable and, and things don't go as planned as often they don't <laughs> yeah. you know so there's a lot of work that goes around that and as you said after that of course we stay in touch we you know we plan events we we edit films we share pictures we write articles I encourage all my teammates to blog and reach out to any journalists they can to talk about what we've done but why we've done it especially yeah no you you touched on a really important point that I bring up all the time you know kindness when we when we um, look into organizations, often we don't take the time to really understand each other. We just go to work, right? And uh, doing personality profiling, understanding who a person is, I think, you know, isn't just something that we should do on expeditions, but but is something that we should do within workplaces on a regular and revolving basis, because often we can work with people and not really know who somebody is. Um, and it does make such a huge difference. And I think, you know, your testament there to the success of your um, challenge. I've learned, I mean, I've learned along the, the years, you know, it maybe wasn't so smooth at the beginning, <laughs> but, you know, you do inevitably learn, uh, like the way I created the golden rule. I created a golden rule because I realized that we, you know, we needed to put that front and center. And of course, that includes being kind to each other and respectful and respecting the local culture and that we're not going to raise our voices to anyone. And, you know, and if there are changes in the, the itinerary that need to be done because of safety or whatever reason that we, we move as a team, you know, that we we don't let leave anybody behind, and all these things have come with a bit of experience. Um, and but I realize that even though I don't make them sign it, I make sure they uh, they acknowledge that they've read it and that they are on board with these uh, rules before we even set out. Um, it's so so important. It's it's you are literally describing the whole theory of a culture of kindness because I talk <laughs> about the foundations of the house. I mean, it's just. It just works. You know, the foundations of the house are ultimately the rules that you decide how are we going to interact. 
what are we going to do? What's the behaviors? You know, perfect example. We're not going to raise our voices in these areas. We're going to be respectful. We are respectful of the cultures that we are uh, moving in. You know, just hugely yeah. important, right? It's so easy for someone to get carried away and be emotional about something and and raise their voice or get upset about something. But actually, because you've already put in the rule that's planted the seed in someone's mind, they go, no, I'm not going to do that. I need to uh, have a conversation with someone and just yeah. take What I realized back. was that even though, um, you know, it is an informal group because, we you know, the, they are all volunteers, right? And I do set the tone as a leader in terms of, you know, the kind of behavior I encourage and what I expect. But there had to be something in addition to that. There had to be, as you say, the foundations, the rules had to be laid out in a, you know, of course, it's a very positive way. It's it's not, nothing is obliged, but it's very clear that they're important and that we need to be on board with that. But because, you know, as you say, you can lead by example, you can set the tone, you know, for your team, et cetera. But I think both makes it even stronger so that there's no excuse. You know, Everybody really knows what the culture of the team needs to be and how we need to act. Uh, and interact with each other and with other people because we are a team when we move, but we also have to 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 make sure that all these rules are understood uh, early on. Yeah, absolutely. While we're talking about leadership, you know, your latest blog um, talks about leadership needs to be empowering and advancing others now more than ever. Um, I'm re- I'm really interested in ultimately the blog post and and talking about that and talking about that ideal, um, but also the end part where you say now more than ever, which I uh, always find fascinating because I always go yes we need it now more than ever, but then I think oh if I look at the past and I look at the future, you know do we need it more now than ever or have we always needed it or you know all <laughs> of that I find it ever so interesting because I use the term often too, so um, yeah let, let's have a chat about that. Well, I mean you're right. I mean we we've always needed it. We've always needed more kindness in the world, you know, more kindness to each other. Um, but obviously my blog uh, is because of the timing of what's happening with the pandemic as well, you know, and that has made all of us reflect, I'm sure, in so many different ways. And for me, um, that has also a foot as a consultant working with different companies. I really see that there's a necessity. And I, what I really realized is that my, a lot of my charity partners during this pandemic, I did touch base with them and, you know, on Zoom calls during the lockdowns and how are you guys, how are you doing? And I realized how vulnerable they are. And so in a way, this, is a, this blog post is a bit of a call to big corporations because I feel that there's only so much we can do on the nonprofit side. We really need the big groups, the big corporations, the ones that are still making making a lot of money during this pandemic to step up and to to really invest in, to champion, to be serious about creating a culture of inclusion, of kindness, of equity, you know, promoting minorities, people with disabilities, more women, and to really be serious about this. Um, And so I really feel this is going to be my focus moving forward because the last eight years, you know, I've, I've operated as a as a you know, as a unifier in some ways, with with different bringing different women who are generally quite privileged to 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 give their time and efforts to help other women in need, to support charities, to fundraise, to advocate. But I really feel that now I need to to scale this, you know, because it's very grassroots what I've done, and I'm so proud of it. You know, I am so proud of it. It's what I'm the most proud of having done done in my career to date. Yeah. But I do feel that I need to use this experience to 
to speak up more and to involve bigger groups that have the means to really make changes in policy in their company who can influence governments because they can, the big corporations can, and work in partnership with the nonprofit sector. And hopefully I can be a bridge a little bit in that way. So I'm, I'm actually looking to see if I can do more consultant, uh, consultancy in this area. And especially given the, the, the fact that I can't really travel at the moment. So I'm really looking into that. And that was kind of a reflection of where I found myself, um, you know, after eight years of doing this, I really reflected on this and all the learnings. There's been so many learnings, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned uh, about the kind of leader I am. Uh, which is very much a caring leader, which is very much, you know, uh, uh, almost motherly in some ways. I, I care for my team deeply, you know, I want them to feel safe and to feel open to, to chat, to share any questions. There's no stupid questions in our group. You know, everybody can bring their full self. That's what I want. Um, and so, yes, I'm, I'm still learning a lot, but I do feel I'm at this point in my life where there needs to be a next Step, and I think that's the direction. So this blog was very much a reflection of my thinking in terms of where I want to put my energy moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. It is, uh, I love the idea that kind of big corporations do need to start thinking about this because there's the, um, the leveling out of wealth in many ways. And that doesn't mean that I believe, well, because you're wealthy, you should, you have to give to others. But, you know, we we do need to do something. There's a responsibility, isn't there, really? If you um, have £10 billion organisation making that kind of money, there's a responsibility to uh, support those that are around you, really. Absolutely. Uh, you I, impact I, their whole family. Too. You impact their whole family. And, you know, I've had these discussions with uh, some of the corporations actually in the last few weeks because I have been uh, kind of reaching out to see where I could uh, probably support. And I, I do, I'm encouraged by the fact that they are aware of this. I think the pandemic has woken up a lot of people and they realize, especially with the work from home situation, that employees, families um, come into the fold as well of, of the corporation because you know colleagues can see uh, what's going on at home. They're aware of if things are not going well at home much more than before. And I do feel that uh, more and more, not just HR people, but senior managers feel responsible for their team in that sense, which is really encouraging. Mm -hmm. um, so it, 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 here we're talking about things like domestic abuse, you know, which has really gone up during the pandemic. And, and a lot of companies are realizing they don't have policies in place for that, but hey, the employee is working from home. So what happens at home does influence them, does impact them, and they need to have a point of view about this. Yeah. Uh, what is the policy? You know, what is the policy when this happened? How do we support the employee in a safe way? Yeah. Uh, so those are just little things that are interesting to see develop. Um, and another reason why uh, big companies need to do more. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it is uh, the empowering and advancing of others. How do you um, see it that we can continue? You know, if you were to give somebody hints and tips, because we, you know, I feel we have very much a similar uh, outlook on your leadership style is very much around a culture of kindness. Um, but how do you see the hints and tips in empowering and advancing others? What do you do to do that while you're on your trips? Sure. So I think the important thing in terms of empowering others is to really understand your team, first of all. So that's why there is effort around, you know, understanding their personality, but also really having a good look at their background, what are their strengths? 
because you know the, these women that I take on my trip, as I mentioned, are are you know quite fantastic women, actually quite brave and and daring, and and have so many interesting skills. So I do take time to to really think about how they can contribute to the bigger mission, uh, and and think about okay, well this person. Um, not just on paper, you know, she's a banker, she does this, she knows how to do this, but also what are her strengths when we're in a group together? So being attentive to, you know, who are the people that make up your team? What are their strengths? Because it really is the the, the leader's role to, to make them have that moment. Because some of them might be more extroverted, some of them might be more introverted, but unless you give them that airtime, sometimes they, will, they won't feel, you know, necessarily wanting to step forward. And so I think that's really important to look at, the stable of stallions that you have on your team, really, which is really exciting when you're a team leader, and to say, okay, well, you know, look at this. This is a privileged position, you know, because you're here to, to lead the team, to take care of them, but how else can you involve them? How else can you give them responsibility? Because I think ultimately, everybody is a leader and has a potential to be a leader. Uh, even if they don't want to, they have qualities. And, and so for me, that's been really interesting to be curious about the people who are on your team, to understand, you know, what they're good at, to give them opportunities to shine and to, to tell them that you believe in them because I think that a lot of times we don't tell people enough how we believe in them. Um, and it's really magical. You know, you see them like, wow, really, you think that? Uh, and they do shine. They, they step up, you know, they, and I'm sure you've experienced that in your life. I have experienced that where, where bosses have believed in me very young and given me opportunities to succeed and I'm very grateful for that so I try to do that so I think there's a lot of work that can be done around reflecting on your team's um, gifts and and skills um, and then just trying to be um, also you know very honest about your strengths and your own strengths and your own weaknesses you know which is not always easy to do and say hey, well I'm not that good at this but you know actually you're very good at this why don't you help me with this you know and and being okay with that and I think Sometimes that comes with a little bit more uh, maturity and experience. I certainly wasn't like that early on when I had, uh, you know, some uh, managerial roles early in my career. I, I have to admit, you know, that this has come with me being more confident as well and a bit older. Uh, but we can all learn to do that better. Um, and just, you know, and just caring for them because I, I think it's magical when the team feels you care deeply for them, not just because they're on your team and you need them to do a job, but actually care for them. I think they, they excel. So there's a whole host of things, as I'm sure you're very aware, that leaders need to do, and it really has to come from the, from the heart, um, you know, and in terms of trying to encourage a positive culture, you know, um, a constructive culture, and to be successful as an organization or a team. Yeah, absolutely. Is it something that you saw, that you see within Singapore as being, you know, having strong leadership, um, and how has COVID affected that, I guess? and um, and is it something that you really see within Nike that there's that growth within leadership of understanding each other more and, and the effect of COVID on that? So I think, I mean, definitely organi different organizations have such different cultures. What I saw at Nike was very informal uh, type of culture, but quite competitive. There were a lot of people who had sports backgrounds, but not all, obviously. Uh, but generally it was, um, it was a quite... Uh, uh, you know, a flat uh, kind of uh, hierarchy and in, in the sense that, you know, it was very much about merit. People had to speak up and, you know, do work hard, do well. But in that way, it was quite competitive. But in general, it wasn't a very formal culture. Um, 
when I was a consultant for five years with the Singapore government here, of course, I saw a very different kind of culture. You know, there were a lot of ex-ministers and ex-generals and people that I you know, interacted with. So it was much more formal. It took more time to build relationships because people were a bit more formal. Mm -hmm. um, so that was interesting for me to learn because that's not necessarily my uh, natural way of uh, behaving in the corporate environment, but of course I'm flexible. I've, I've worked in different markets, including Japan and, and France and all that. So it was interesting for me to adjust as well. Um, I think COVID-19 uh, you know, has really brought out um, interesting traits of leadership uh, and, and some have really failed miserably as we've seen in the in politics around the world and some have done so well I mean including one of my favorites um, Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand uh, you know I'm a huge fan of hers I just listened to a podcast about her actually recently and she's just fabulous uh, in, in her empathy for others in her openness and her you know humanity and she's very um, real in the sense that she's very aware of her own uh, kind of weaknesses and strength. And, and it's so refreshing to see, <laughs> I have to yeah. say. Um, so, yeah, can, uh, the, this pandemic has been so interesting to see the many different leadership styles, even in corporations. You know, you, I saw an interview on TV with the, the global CEO of the Hilton Hotels, you know, and the hotel business has, you know, just been, it has been catastrophic for them. But the way he, he spoke, you know, and really uh, putting the, the, the the care of his employees very much at the center of his, his his speech and his conversation he came across you know like a deeply empathetic leader and it was very nice to see even though he's probably going through the hardest moment of his career to be honest yeah and as you said you know there are some companies that are doing very well during the pandemic a lot of the tech companies have been doing very well making a lot of money so it's interesting to see how they take this opportunity, because some of them have actually benefited from the fact that we're needing more technology. You know, the numbers of their sales have gone through the roof. Uh, and to see what do they do with that? You know, as you say, they, they're making a lot of money. Are they really investing uh, in their employees? Are they really trying to give back to the, to, to the community? Are they trying to do more for the planet? I mean, the hope is, of course, that they do. Um, you know, and, and we hope to see more of that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We we talked a little bit offline about uh, my latest challenge, and actually Hilton was a supporter oh, of that challenge. Oh, I'd love to hear really about interesting that. Interesting, you brought it up. Yeah. Um, so I I went five thousand miles on an elliptico bike, which is a stand up bike that uh, has no seat effectively, so it's like a cross trainer on wheels, and uh, I went through every city in the UK. It wasn't meant to be UK, it was meant to be Europe and, and everything. The, the challenge changed uh, many times to adapt <laughs> to the rules and make sure that people were safe. And, you know, originally I, ha I had support crew to start for about 10 days, two weeks. And then I went out on my own because a number of different reasons it was easier to do that. Um, and Hilton stepped in and uh, said that they would, where I was in cities and places that they had a hotel that they would put me up. Oh, uh, how nice, how wonderful. Was, I mean, and, and you talk about the culture there, the culture within Hilton is quite incredible. Um, you know, there was this sense of um, supporting, you know, even in the midst of, covid hotels yeah. being shut down there was still this we're gonna try and keep you on the road oh. we're gonna try and keep you going um, 
Yeah, so I I obviously do mine not for money but for kindness. Um, and so, you know, so, and I ask people to go out and do an act of kindness for a stranger rather than donate money. And and the aim this year is to raise one million acts of kindness. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and and Hilton would just just a brilliant support for that. You know, they they really. Uh, aligned so well with what such oh, I hope they recover you know because I've heard many good things about their culture not just from you but from other people I have a friend also who used to work for them here and oh uh, it's really refreshing to hear that that they they really care you know they do care uh, it's wonderful yeah no absolutely so so good um so I guess I mean we're already unbelievably coming to the end of the podcast. And I feel <laughs> quickly that I could, we could just chit chat all day um, about so many of the things, and and of course, Tough Girls uh, podcast. You know, if if anyone's listening and they haven't come across Tough Girls podcast, definitely go and seek that out. It was such a huge support for me when I was doing because uh, I was away for four months. So. I recommended one of my teammates. You know, from one of my last treks my last trek was to Greenland we crossed the Arctic Circle Trail on bikes fat bikes and I recommended actually one of my teammates to be interviewed so I'm hoping that that's going to happen in the next few weeks or months whenever she has a, a, a moment to interview oh amazing yeah it's just it's an incredible podcast I don't know whether it, you regularly keep up with it is, it's uh, wonderful <laughs> so so good um so any you know anybody who's listening it's not it's not a podcast where you know you're going to feel bad about things but there's this huge um just wealth of knowledge about how we just cope with life you know and that's that's what I kind of got from it but it was it was definitely um one of my best friends while I was doing Aww. the uh, challenge for sure. Nice. I love podcasts too. It's such a one. I have a whole list of ones I need to listen to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, absolutely brilliant. Um, so I guess to, to end on the podcast for now, um, mm -hmm. I'm sure that we will keep in contact, but for now, what does a culture of kindness mean to you? Uh, what does it feel like to you? Oh, so kindness for me is so important, uh, you know, and I, and I really don't think there's enough of it. And what's special about kindness is that I feel it's magical. You know, as you said, you know, when you ask people to do an act of kindness, it, I mean, it generates so many other acts of kindness. So for me, a culture of kindness is, is, is as simple as it's built on respect. It's built on, on being happy to see other people succeed. Um, you know, that's really important for me. I feel that some of the best networking you can do is to just help other people succeed. Um, you know, yeah, and I try to do that in little ways, you know, it's not, even if it's just helping a friend try to get a job or, you know, or, or getting on a phone call. And yes, a couple of days ago, I got asked by a friend to have a chat with a girlfriend of hers who just got divorced because I'm happily remarried. So a lot of people do open up to me and say, hey, Christine, can you talk to my friend? And can you tell her how you survived the experience? And, and, you know, it, you know, it took some time, but at the end of the call, I felt I had done a good deed and I thought, you know. Oh, you know, I, hopefully I gave her some encouragement. And, and I, I just think that kindness is just something that gives so much back to you. You do it just because of the pleasure. You know, you don't do it because you're looking for something else. But in a funny way, it brings so much back. It opens so many doors. I, I've seen it in my life so many times. You know, a lot of the things we do with Women on a Mission and Her Planet Earth, they're all voluntary. We don't pay ourselves. Whatever we raise, we donate. But it 
has opened so many doors of opportunity. All my consultancy work I got through the fact that I've been doing these treks and I'm meeting all these incredible women. It's so I do believe that a culture of kindness is a is a is a winning culture. I really do think it's it's the way to win and be successful um, because it's true. I, I've seen it happen. Yes. Absolutely. What a way to end. It's a winning culture. I absolutely <laughs> love it, Christine. Thank you so much for your time. I'm incredibly grateful that you're speaking to it's us. It's such an honor to, to be on your show, Nala. Thank you. And thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it so much. And I hope we stay in touch. Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, please do share it with others. Pop on and give a lovely review, but mostly take forwards into your life something that can change someone else's. We are looking for the elusive happiness and kindness is the action that can get us there.